This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Bet and Breakfast, a podcast from BetSided. Hey, does anybody want coffee? Who wants coffee? It's sports betting for everyone. I'm here to tell you today that the New York Yankees season is done. Stick a fork in them, it's over. Lamar Jackson, I can't believe he's that low on the list that he's my bet for sure at this point in the season. Early leans, best bets, props, parlays. If you can bet it, we've got it. I'm taking the over on this. If you look at the last five games, this is a game waiting for points to be scored. Tom Brady, I think everyone's heard of him. If Brady puts up the numbers, they have the 10th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Get in, get out, and you're ready to go. I think they're going to have to give him the award if Dallas ends up locking up this division and possibly even that number one seed. And here are your hosts, Ben Heisler, Ian McMillan, Peter Dewey, Donovan Smoot, and Reed Wallet. What comes before anything? What have we always said is the most important thing? Breakfast. Family. I thought you meant the things you need. What's happening, everybody? It is Bet and Breakfast. The Monday crew is here post first and second round of the NCAA men's and soon to be end of the second round of the women's tournament. Ben Heisler, Peter Dewey, Reed Wallach, fresh off of a week together, all together in New York. Guys, it's good to see you. I, although I, I hate it that it's it's through the computer screen this time. It was a great week altogether. Uh, we have lots uh, lots to talk about. We are going to go through the immediate opening odds for the Sweet 16. A couple certainly stand out to me. Curious to get the thoughts of my two companions over here. Uh, we will go through some of the biggest winners and losers from the NCAA tournament. Of course, best bets. Uh, and also looking forward to two more games from the University of Arkansas, because if they make it to the Final Four, um, our colleague Ian McMillan has to get a Razorbacks tattoo. So we're going to explore whether or not Arkansas actually has a chance here and maybe debate whether we should give him an opportunity for an out. But unbelievable first weekend, right? Like, I, I feel like it's like this every year, but I thought the parody read maybe was hitting a little bit more this year in the tournament. I'm not sure if that was the same for you as, as well. Yeah, uh, fresh off like a five-hour uh, night's sleep after the Arizona TCU, uh, the last game of the first weekend goes long. So, um, yeah, a lot of, um, I would say, interesting results just based on, you know, end game stuff like that. I mean, just absolutely brutal week for your boy. Just, you know, for someone who bets college basketball so heavily to just get absolutely railroaded on some of these finishes, that stunk. I couldn't hit water if I fell off a boat, but – I think that what you saw this weekend was that there was a really crowded middle of good teams. I think that that led to some upsets and some variance along the way. Um, I mean, like, again, Kentucky losing, if you want to go back to the first set of games, I know we haven't spoken on the pod, but, like, I don't think this is like a referendum that, like, Kentucky's terrible. I think it just more shows that, like, there is variance in the NCAA tournament and you're going to see some upsets from time to time because, again, it's one game. You know, I, I don't think that you're going to see that. But, like, again, matchups also make fights. And, like, you saw Memphis hang with Gonzaga because they can match their speed. And, like, those are just two examples from what I thought was a hectic first weekend. I do think, though, that some of the officiating was just terrible. Just, like, throughout – like, it really kind of took away from it. But, you know, that's for another day. I really just – the Arizona-TCU game, if people are just, you know – for people that are listening first thing in the morning, you missed like one of the crazier basketball games I've ever seen. Um, and now we're setting up Arizona Houston, the sweet 16, which is 
easily the marquee matchup, and that's Thursday night, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and then if, if they go through again, and hopefully Villanova goes through as well, that's the matchup that I'm fascinated by, just to try and see. I Because I, I think TCU and Villanova have a few aspects in common, um, and Arizona eventually was able to control that game. But that's a matchup that certainly I have uh, looking forward to. Uh, Reed, I know that we talked about the TCU-Duke game that's going to be fascinating we'll talk about that a little bit peter as far as the opening weekend for the ncaa men's tournament for you um it it got off to a rough start on thursday night because uh you weren't there for us to to heckle you after kentucky went down but the rest of the way you ended up being okay your bracket completely screwed did anything surprise you out of the blue um yeah kentucky was tough man that that was a tough one to to lose on the first day and couldn't root for a school with your own name in it i mean that's (laughs) I should have jersey stand up. Um, but yeah, no, my bracket's kind of done. I had Iowa making a decent run, so that one hurt as well. Um, just a lot of uh, like Reed said, a lot of parody. Just a, a crazy tournament in general. We've seen some eleven seasons. Unlike any other. Yeah, really. Although I, I, I think the 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 gremlin inside the the stream took over. What was it? Your computer, Reed? Back yeah, in New York. But no, I think what, what Pete was trying to say is, I again, I think that, you know, we tried to hammer this home, you know, in the week leading up to it, but it is a one-game tournament. So you're going to see upsets from time to time. Like I said, St. Peter's. And now look, St. Peter's in the Sweet 16. I, you know, from a betting perspective, they won outright as, what, 18-point underdogs and 8-point underdogs. I mean, that's absurd in itself. Like, even just from, like, a bracket perspective – uh, I think I saw like 2% of brackets did St. Peter's um, through to the Sweet 16, which was probably like a, people picking like the funny mascots because they're a peacock. So I, I, I don't think many people expected this, obviously. But, um, you know, St. Peter's did have I, – I bet St. Peter's um, – one of the few bets I hit this weekend, uh, St. Peter's with the points and the money line on Saturday against Murray State. Yeah. They did have an elite defense. I think they're going to run into some – run into some trouble against Purdue. Just their size might be a little too much to handle, you know, Jade and Ivy. But uh, St. Peter's had, like, a top 50 defense and adjusted defensive efficiency heading into the tournament. So, like, Kentucky kind of got a terrible draw. A lot of these teams got really bad draws um, for the first weekend, given their style and how you see some of these higher seeds typically get a better draw. So it was definitely interesting just because I know St. Peter's kind of the the – like talk of the weekend. I mean, they, it, it's not as if St. Peter's is a good team, but I mean, are we really, I mean, do you think they, they were underseated as a 15? I, it's, I suppose it's easier to say now, but where they finished second or third um, in, no, in, I, I would, in Mac? I wouldn't say that they were underseated per se, but I do like, there were indicators that they could like hang with Kentucky would be Kentucky. No, but they were like a top 50 adjusted defense. So like the fact, and they shoot a lot of threes. So like the fact that they did like obviously a huge upset. And of course I didn't bet St. Peter. So, but like they did have like a good defense. They did have like, I guess, um, what is it? Like giants, giant killer um, recipes. But obviously like I thought Kentucky was going to the national championship. I had a future on them. So like I thought Kentucky would take care of them. But again, like a competitive bash and not just like lose. But I'm just, and then, you know, as we go through the results also from this weekend, it's going to set up our 
Spence, I know you have some opinions on it. The Duke Michigan State game. I mean, again, just, you know, we see it just like brutal beat after brutal beat with these underdogs late in games. I mean, what Michigan State was up three with four minutes left and they lose. Yeah. And I, and I had them live uh, earlier in that game. That, that, that was that was a theme for me. Um, just jumping on a few of these live dogs and then finding a way to blow it. Like San Francisco back on, on, on day one, Akron was another one that I, I, I actually really liked pregame that I got, I think around plus 800, that one ended up falling through. Um, it did end up hitting on, on St. Peter's though, uh, on Thursday night against Kentucky, which was helpful. Um, but like you said, yesterday, there, there's certainly a few um, that got away from me, Michigan state at plus three fifty live. So it's tough because a lot of times in this tournament, there's just those underdogs that have it the entire way. Like if you're doing it the same way on a favorite, you, you feel good about it, but holding on to an underdog, like that's kind of been the, the nature of this, of these last four days as well. Like they've found a way the underdog traditionally um, to, to be in control, at least for this weekend. Yeah. I mean, again, <laughs> I, I did terrible this weekend. You know, I couldn't really get anything going, but yeah, no, all good points. I definitely, there were a few underdog money lines that I was on, you know, you mentioned a few like Akron, Michigan state. I was on them as well. I mean, in the tournament, any underdog I'm betting for the most part, I'm also going to sprinkle on the money line because that variance is so high, but you know, I just couldn't get on the right side of them for most of the weekend. But overall, what is it? I, I starting from Thursday, I watched like 96, hour like 80 of 96 hours we're watching college basketball so uh brain starting to hurt a little bit but you know it's nice to get a step back because i think that there are a lot of compelling angles heading into the second weekend and you're looking at kansas with a real opportunity here to get back to the final four um in my opinion the west and south region um you know when you're looking at your bracket your two tops uh top corners with you know, Texas Tech Duke going to be, you know, I know we have opinions. Gonzaga, Arkansas, when if Pete ever gets back into the stream, he'll have some opinions. And then also on the right side, you have, like I said, Arizona, Houston. That is a national championship level game going on yeah. the Sweet 16. And then also I think Michigan Villanova, because I think Michigan is a team that, at least in my opinion, I was very high on going into the year. I tried to hold out hope for for a majority of this season because I did have I did hold Hunter Dickinson, their big man, in such high regard. They finally turn it on. Um, they looked the part in the second half against Colorado State. They look fantastic, in my opinion, against a great Tennessee team. And now they get a Villanova team that they match up with pretty well. Will they be able to win and stay within the, I think it's what, five-point spread? Um, that's another story that we could dig into. But I think those top regions have – a lot of intrigue. And I even talk about the UCLA UNC game, um, which is a battle of blue blood, blue bloods and uh, Hami Hakez UCLA's forward is also um, a bit banged up from the same areas game. So again, this is it. the craziness of the first weekend is set up very nicely for some good basketball in the second weekend. All right. So let's, let's start here. And again, we, we have some internal debate. Uh, that we'll have in just a little bit about uh, our, our colleague and, and whether or not uh, Ian McMillan is going to be able to end up getting an, a Arkansas Razorbacks tattoo. He said it on the live stream last Tuesday that if they go to the Final Four, that tattoo is coming. But 
I kind of feel like giving him an out. Uh, we just have to figure out what that is. We'll discuss that coming up in just a little bit. But let's let's go through Thursday and Friday um, and, and see in which, which particular. We'll give you the opening odds over at WinBet, and then Reed and I will try to determine uh, of those different four games where we're probably most likely to go on the earlier side. So start with the earlier games. Uh, number four, Arkansas, going up against Gonzaga. Uh, in that matchup, you have the Zags as an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, Arkansas plus 290 on the money line with very high total in that game, despite Arkansas's really good defense of 155. Uh, a little bit later on, you have Michigan and Villanova should be a fascinating matchup. Uh, Nova minus four and a half Michigan plus 175 on the money line and a much lower total of 135 and a half late games, Texas tech and Duke. We were just talking about them a second ago, Texas tech, a one point favorite against the Dukies. Um, you can get Duke on the money line at plus 100 with a total of 137 uh, so far on the board. And actually, uh, Reed, I am not seeing odds, at least as of Monday morning, for the final game between Houston and Arizona. Um, my guess is that the Arizona game ended so late last night um, that they have not set odds for those, at least where I'm seeing it on WinBet. But uh, I can tell you that from a consensus line, uh, we're talking about... Arizona right around minus two uh, with a total at 145. So those first four games on Thursday, uh, give me a matchup. Give me uh, at least something that is probably going to catch your eye on the earlier side as a better. Yeah. Um, I already bet it. I've been talking about Ben. I know you're going to, you have some opinions drawn up for the Texas tech game. So I'll let you get to it, but uh, yeah, Texas tech, um, yeah, you know, I don't know if you want to listen to my opinions after uh, this past weekend, but Texas Tech was a spot. This was something I circled on Selection Sunday. This is something I've been talking about pretty heavily. Um, this is a miserable matchup for Duke. Um, Texas Tech a match their physicality. Um, a little undersized on the back line, but I think Texas Tech's the better team here. Um, one, fine. Two, okay. Um, you know, I probably wouldn't go much further than Texas Tech minus one and a half, but this defense is simply going to give Duke fits. And I mean, we saw Duke, they were able to just score at will against Michigan State. And, you know, I know Sparty went on a run, but I was watching that game and Michigan State just couldn't pull away or really get shrink together like three or four stops. Texas Tech is going to do that. Um, you know, Texas Tech's big issue on the offensive end is that they can't really protect the ball. They're um, 285th in turnover percentage. Duke doesn't force turnovers. They're not great on the defensive glass. They let up a lot of open threes. And I know Texas Tech isn't a good three-point shooting team per se, but you can't just let up open threes. They're going to get to you once, once in a while. And I think that Texas Tech's number one defense in the entire country is going to overwhelm Ben, ben Caro. They're not going to be afraid of that. A.J. Griffin rolled his ankle. I think Tech's a better team. I think they're better coached. Um, I mean, if you saw that game last night against Notre Dame, the last two minutes, I think Notre Dame may have made a free throw in the last two minutes, but just absolute, they could switch five men across the entire board. I know we were talking about Chris Rotola. This team's better. They locked down defensively. They're all veterans. I think Tech's got due covered here. Uh, this is easily going to be my biggest bet of the tournament. Yeah, that's it, it's mine as well, particularly for everything that you just mentioned. The, the defense is elite. Um, and I wrote about this on, on Betside the other day. I think the perception of Michigan State as this tough-nosed, defensive-minded team, um, it, it's kind of a narrative that, that doesn't really exist anymore. 
like Michigan State, when going through a lot of their actual numbers over the course of the season, um, I, I wrote that they would have preferred to run with Duke as opposed to trying to play a slow it down type game. They're 33rd in adjusted uh, offensive efficiency this year. Um, they're not a terrible defense by any means. They're 68th. Um, but this is not that typical Tom Izzo team that likes to play a lot in the half court. They're a good transition team. Um, and while it ultimately got foiled because Duke just is better in that regard, and you're right, they weren't able to get the stops that they needed. I mean, that type of play was the play that they've tried to play with most of the season. So um, just didn't set up well, but you're right. Like Texas Tech, and I, and I got a chance to watch them up close and personal on the road in an overtime game, double overtime game. Uh, at Kansas, arguably the the toughest place to play in the country. Um, they're not scared by anything. And I think going up against Duke, especially with several days to prepare to get that defense in order. Yeah, I, I think that number um, is maybe surprising to a lot of common betters. I think the public will be all over Duke because Texas Tech struggled a little bit down the, down the stretch there. Um, and just people are wanting to bet Duke this year. So yeah, I, I think that number right now, especially at minus one, uh, definitely is the way to go. Any of the other ones on Thursday catch your eye? No, but just one more thing about like this Duke Texas Tech setup. Um, again, we're talking. I'll be brief here, but Tech number one defense in the country, and it's really because they just shut off the middle of the paint. Like you, you simply are not scoring. You're not driving inside. They're going to throw bodies at you. They're going to clog the paint. Um, they allow the third least amount of percent, like their percentage of points, the third least amount from two pointers. And on the opposite side. Duke, they funnel you inside. Um, you know, so you're going to see a lot of swing, swing action from Texas Tech. They're going to be able to drive off of that. So, again, I just think matchup-wise, I saw this on Selection Sunday. I was going to be all over Tech, and, you know, I've liked what I've seen to say, yeah, we're going in on Tech. But, like, if I had to guess, Duke will also probably get every whistle known to man because Tech's really physical, and Duke has Coach K. I totally – I mean, there's one possession uh, – yesterday where Michigan State got called for three fouls on one possession. I It's just, you know, that these refs are going to try and, you know, will K, uh, Coach K to the finish line here. But another one, Houston as a small dog against Arizona. I don't know. I have an Arizona future. I'm not thrilled that they're playing Houston. I think that you saw another Big 12 team in TCU really – take it to Arizona on the glass last night. I think they had an offensive rebounding percentage north, like 30, 40%. I think 17 might've been the number. Um, Houston is even more physical. They're more athletic. Um, so Arizona could be in some trouble if they don't figure it out on the glass. Cause down this, that's Arizona went up nine and proceeds to let up a 10 0 run in the final, like six minutes of the game and needed to get bailed out by Benedict Matherin because they couldn't get stops. They couldn't shrink. They couldn't close out possessions on the defensive end. So Arizona opening a favorite. I'm not surprised about will they win? I'm not sure that might actually be Arizona's toughest game before the national championship. If they get there. Yeah. And, and, don't, forget, and, and don't forget one issue about Houston too. And part of the reason that, that I liked Illinois uh, in the upset, certainly not the, the only reason and it ended up, you know, slapping me directly in the face Arizona is an atrocious free throw shooting team. They rank 327th in the country. I mean, Houston. Um, Houston, yes. And, yeah. um, and, and Texas Tech actually isn't great either, but I, I think the whole defensive prowess as a whole is still going to be an issue for Duke. But some fascinating matchups uh, on the board on Thursday. Let's dive into Fridays as well. Uh, opening odds up for those games over at WinBet. Um, I'm seeing... Uh, Saint, do you have do you have a different number for for St. Peter's? Because I'm looking at uh, Colorado's win bet. 
Um, St. Peter's I have as, um, I just lost it for a second. Uh, This is great podcast. Purdue is is minus 12 and a half uh, with a total of 135 and a half uh, for St. Peter's in Purdue. Uh, Providence in Kansas, which uh, I I have some thoughts on that match. I'm curious to get your perspective on KU a seven and a half point favorite in that game with a total of 141. Late games for Friday, North Carolina uh, against UCLA. Uh, Bruins, two and a half point favorites there with a total of 142 and a half. And then I, I don't know why they decided to make this the, the late game, I suppose, because they think it's going to be close. Uh, it's not going to be appealing basketball for me. Uh, Iowa State and Miami. Um, f- uh, my, the, the Canes are minus one and a half with a total of 133. Can, can we start with Iowa State for a second? Because I, I know Wisconsin had an injury early in that game. But Iowa State has not been a good team all year. They've beaten some good teams, but especially with how atrocious their offenses look down the stretch of the year, um, that game being played in Milwaukee, I I thought, like I I I don't like Wisconsin Reed, but I picked them in a survivor pool yesterday because I thought Iowa State has to go down at some point, and this is a, the ideal as ideal of an opportunity for Wisconsin to win that game as any time, and they just completely let go and did what a lot of us expected them to do, just maybe not so early. Yeah, uh, it was tough uh, watching with all the fellas uh, Wisconsin play Stone Age basketball, um, like straight out of – I mean, just absolutely atro- – like it was literally like getting a root canal, uh, sitting with all my friends trying to will this team home. But, no, I I mean, we're not – or we're – Wisconsin is not a very deep team, and – they really lack a lot of ball handling. It was really the Johnny Davis show. And then Chucky Hepburn, actually, he kind of emerged as this, like this great point guard, great facilitator, connector of the offense. Once he went down, big trouble, of course. And then Wisconsin's going to get a three to fall. Good looks. But they were also like, I didn't even, we put in a guy, we, Wisconsin put in a guy. I got to start trans, uh, transitioning that. But Wisconsin You're put in a guy. Years. You're good. The, I doubt he's listening, but this, this, Kid Isaac Lindsay, I I didn't I didn't even know he was on the team. I I've watched almost every single Wisconsin game this season. I literally I was shot. I was like, who is this kid in the long sleeves coming in? And he was terrible. Like, you know, we were. It was it was a really tough second half. Obviously, like a rock fight. Sure, we'll give confirmation bias to people who said Wisconsin are frauds. I didn't necessarily push back against it because I didn't think we were as we Wisconsin was as good as their record said. Um, but no, Iowa State again. This was another one. Miami opened one at some some uh, certain places, and I jumped all over that. I have Miami as three point favorites, and I'm not surprised at all that Miami beat Auburn. They were a bad matchup for Auburn. They're a bad matchup for Iowa State. Um, Iowa State is very turnover centric. They need to generate turnovers. They turned over Wisconsin 17 times. They struggle to break 60 points. Um, Miami's more athletic than Wisconsin. They have more ball handlers. They have a veteran, Charlie Moore, uh, Wong, McGusty. Like, there's a lot more offensive talent on this team. Top five in turnover percentage. Top 20 in offensive efficiency. I mean, they just went right at Auburn. And they also play five out. So, they're going to drag out Iowa State's prodding big men a lot in this one. They're going to go right by them. Miami's defense isn't necessarily good. But, again, Iowa State's offense has, like, a certain threshold that they are incapable of beating yeah. or in, incapable of uh, clearing. So, again, um, 
Miami. Yes, there are defensive concerns, but the offense is simply too overwhelming. You know, like Iowa State's going to struggle to break 60, like I said. Uh, Miami hasn't not scored 60, like, I don't even think at all, once this year against Virginia on the road, which, like, tough environment. Virginia plays a very methodical pace. Iowa State uh, plays slow, but they're going to play play a little bit faster. And, you know, Miami, elite mid-range pull-up jump shooting team. They are very capable of getting inside their top 20 in mid-range field goal percentage. So Iowa State may run them off the three-point line, but you're going to see Miami get inside and, you know, floaters, pull-ups. So, yeah, I really like Miami. This is out to one and a half now. Two is a stopping point, but I think, like, you know, money line parlays, I think Miami, I think they're pretty good here. And I know you said you're out of a survivor. I had Texas Tech. I'm probably, you know, look – I. Early lean, if you're still in survivors, would be to take Miami on Friday night because you're probably not going to use them again. Yeah, either that or, or perhaps Purdue. Yeah. Um, against St. Peter's, I think would probably be the two that I would consider. I, I want to get your thoughts on Providence versus Kansas, and I'm trying to find the the specific stat from the other day because I I liked Richmond in that matchup, and if you go and look at, at shot quality, uh, here, I just found oh. Can we um, not do the shot quality thing anymore? No, is, is can it we just not? It's, it's came. It's come back to divide us how many times over the course of, I, of the tournament. I love shot quality. They're my guys. They follow me on Twitter, so I hope they don't are they aren't listening right now. But like, people are now like, they're a great tool. But like, I can't now know that like my team should have won because they, like I know that like I watched the game and I know that they should have. Like, it's almost like like. I can't like tell my bookie like, Hey, like shot quality said that I should have covered. So like, can I get like half back? Like, like <laughs> yeah, like I, I can't, I know like people are using shot quality. Like I, like the worst are now that people are like, can't wait to see what shot quality says about this one. Like, I don't know. I can't wait to see what the final score is. Like I, <laughs> like, I, people are like, we're, we're beating down on shot quality too much. I think, I will remember the 2022 NCAA tournament as terrible first weekend of betting and the weekend that shot quality, like the people turned against them. <laughs> like this is like the bag is out on shot quality. All right. I, I, there's a perspective about that, that I get, I, I, I'm, let me use this. Okay. I'm going to use your own words against you. I'm going to use this as a tool against Providence for the future. Not necessarily okay. to remind myself, of the bet that should have hit. I mean, they, they lost by 18 points. Yeah. So I'm not going to come out and say that, that. That's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Yes. But, but I, but I do think there's something to be learned from it. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like, so, okay. So Richmond obviously fell to Providence 79 51. Uh, Providence just made every single three pointer under the sun. Richmond made none. Um, like, if you go through the actual numbers of that game, like Richmond could hit nothing. Um, and based on the shot quality score, Richmond based on the quality of shots taken should have won that game. 66 to 63 Richmond wins 58% of the time. Providence wins 42% of the time. That game is irrelevant at this point. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't matter at some point though. And we also have been talking about this throughout the entirety of the year. I've talked about it with you. Peter's talked about this with all of us on the Monday show. Providence is due to regress at some point, right? The luck rating over a Ken Palm, historically high. 
so many different close games. And again, there is an argument to be made that maybe they're just really good in those situations, that there's been enough of a sample over the course of this entire year to put Providence in that conversation of if it's going to be a close game, you can rely on Ed Cooley's squad to get it done. All of this may be true, but when things don't work out for Providence, blowouts tend to happen. And I, I don't know if this is going to be the week for it because I think Kansas has plenty of flaws, but Kansas also has the ability to, to beat this team by 30 points very easily. Like their offense, when they're locked in and as efficient as they are, should be able to run Providence out of the court. Like I, I look at this game and think if there's going to be an opportunity for regression for Providence, it is coming. And this is going to be the game that I think it finally all unravels for them. So, I mean, I'm not necessarily going to go up to like nine or 10, but I look at Kansas seven and a half and think to myself, that's a very reasonable number against a team that we know is going to have that regression game and it's going to punch them in the face when it happens. So I, I think this is a great opportunity, especially if this game maybe starts off slow for KU. At some point, they're going to blitz Providence or you jump on it knowing that this is going to be the game where eventually it all gets away and it ends up being a blowout. Yeah, I have great points. And, like, about the shot quality, like, also, it just looked like Richmond, like, I watched the game. They were short on every shot. So, like, they they made an A-10 tournament run, and then they, you know, beat Iowa in kind of like a physical, like, kind of, like, tiring, emotionally draining game. It just, like, appeared, like, to me. So, like, maybe just Richmond, like, was a little tired. Like, you know, like, they, they were a 12 seed. Like, maybe they were just a little tired, like, Again, like those are things that like shot quality, who again, I like love shot quality. I think they're an amazing tool and should be used, but like for the right reasons. Like, like when a team loses by 18 and you say they win, doesn't actually have like again, if I were to go through all the shot quality scores, the bets I lost this weekend, I probably would come out on top on like all of them also. So, like, you know, I just feel like in in some ways they are like predictive. I I use I like using the shot quality score more when it's a close game and like maybe the team actually should have won by a lot. If that makes like if a team lost by like four, but like shot quality says they won by 10, then I'm like, okay, that, that shows that like that team may have been better that day. When like a team loses by 18, they probably actually should have lost by 18. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's tough to like give like a, a 20 point turnaround to a team. I, but like, again, it's a tool. If it was the regular season, I think it's good for filing away, but in a tournament setting, I think it's a little bit different. All right, in these blocks. But in terms of Kansas Providence, I I wasn't impressed at all with Kansas against Creighton. Um, they couldn't get stops at all. Providence does have a few ball handlers. Um, they have a big in Nate Watson that could match up with David McCormick. Um, I don't know if they're gonna be able to contain Agbaji and Braun on the perimeter, but I kind of lean Providence catching seven and a half. Um, not necessarily confident in it. But again, we've been saying all year, and I I've been team pro Providence as a they're a good team. They're not like a I mean they're in the Sweet Sixteen, so maybe they are. But I never really was like a national championship type team for me, Providence. But people like were using the luck stuff. I think too like uh too far. You know, I don't think it, it became just like fade Providence because they're like too lucky. Like I think we did this uh, one Monday, Ben. Like like the market knows that. You know, like they were right. three point favorites against Richmond. It's not like they were like 12 point favorites. Like they, like the market doesn't think very highly of them either. So what does that really say? So now they're seven and a half point underdogs. 
don't know. Maybe this team just kind of puts up a fight again. I, I do question. Yeah, Kansas has the firepower to pull away, but this province seems really gritty. They just know how to stay tight. I They've lost four games this year. They're that's a crazy. good team. I, it, again, it's, it's not to come out and, and just crap all over Providence. I, I don't think that's the point here, but I, I just think everything from all the different metrics collected over the course of the year indicate that they have played above their skis. And yes, the sample yes. size is now large enough for the full season, but I think there are so many other things that eventually are going to go against them. When everything doesn't collectively work out, that's usually when everything falls apart. Providence right like there's there's only a few times where everything just sort of stays together unless they're playing bad teams they're not playing a bad team in Kansas and they're playing a team that's going to be rested has time to prepare number one seed like can can out physical you can outrun you can outshoot you they can do all those things against Providence but like you're right Ed Cooley's team just is tough and physical and they'll hang they'll hang around but if it doesn't work if the shots don't fall early and Kansas does and that's where I think they could pull away. All right, before we get to best bets, um, one best bet that has not gone well is for our own Ian McMillan because right on this very stream, not on Bet and Breakfast, um, but he went about talking uh, on Arkansas because I think Peter had Arkansas in his final four. Mm-hmm. Ian couldn't believe it um, and walked, did the whole thing, got up from his chair, went up right by the camera and goes, if Arkansas goes to the final four, I'll get a Razorback tattoo on my back. They're two games away, Reed. The problem is they got to get through Gonzaga. And so I kind of want to give Ian an opportunity where we kind of have to make him do something. But maybe he just bets on, on Gonzaga getting it done here. So do we do we give him an out, first of all? And second of all, if we don't, how likely do we think the Razorbacks are from actually making the Final Four? I say no out. He made the bet. He knew it. Nothing. This is this like a cash out. Like, like, yeah, you, it's like an, it's like a negative. He's got a head of tattoo. No, no. He said, he said he's getting the real thing. He said he's, he's. No, if if he gets the cash out, he has to get like a a fake tattoo of Razorback, which like kind of defeats the whole purpose. But I, I say no, no get out here. This is exactly the path. Like this is the toughest possible path, right? I guess they got. New Mexico State instead of UConn, but now they got Gonzaga. That was the whole point, right? So, like, if they got Memphis, if Memphis would have pulled it out, then I would have said, okay, maybe we could give them some sort of out, you know, because this looks a little bit more alive. And Memphis nearly did beat Gonzaga. Then things really got interesting. I mean, I have an Arkansas future on them to make the Final Four. I think that they're going to run into some trouble here against Gonzaga. Arkansas defense, obviously, they're a strong suit, but um Gonzaga is going to get to their quota. You know, they're 75 80 points. Like they're just they play too fast, their shooting is too talented. Um you saw Andrew Nemhart really rise to the occasion. Arkansas's got they're capable of doing it, but like the shooting is going to have to be on uh for Muscleman's squad here and I just I don't know if I could trust it. I they're kind of a big short. They have Jalen Williams, but I don't know if they could keep up with Gonzaga. Trust me, it kills me to say because I love Arkansas. I've been riding them for the past two months. Um, I have a future on them. Spoken very highly of them. I was really hoping it was Memphis. Unfortunately, you know, Drew Timmy went off in that second half. So I do think Ian is going to avoid getting a tattoo. But I will be rooting for him to get a tattoo. All right, as will I. Um, I, I have one idea. 
that if he were to take push the the cash out button i i would say this is an acceptable option maybe it's just because it's my idea and i might reveal (laughs) it on the show and you look at me like i have three heads um Big, a big fan of, of coming up with with catchy parody songs. That's like been a bit of mine for a long time. Um, you know the song Macho Man by uh, the Village People? Yes. Okay. I think if Ian wants to get out of this bet, he has to sing Muscle Man, Muscle Men. Okay. And then like it's a whole love song dedicated to Eric Musselman and the Arkansas Razorbacks. And we put it up on YouTube. We live stream it. We create a music video around it. Well, I was gonna say, is there, like, is there some like production value in this, or is this like oh, him as his? Like, we have we have we have Dan Stoner on our team. We have we have the best in the business. We can okay. absolutely put together <laughs> some great production value, uh, and then we release that. Tag the Razorbacks. We let everybody know about it as as far as is in Fayetteville and the surrounding area. We make sure that they see this video. Uh, and that gives Ian an opportunity to not have something to have something permanent attached to him with Arkansas, just not directly on his body. What do you think? So is this he has to do it if Arkansas like this is now changing the bet from a tattoo to the music video. So he, if he Arkansas has, still lose if Arkansas still loses to Gonzaga, it, you don't have to do either. No, no, no. I, I'm saying that if he doesn't want to risk the possibility of he getting does a the tattoo, music video then he has to do the music video regardless. Oh, no shot. No shot he goes for that. There's no chance. He would, really? he would ride this out. Well, of course, I think he'll ride this out. I'm, I'm giving it. If, yes. If he's, concerned, okay. if he's like, all right, this this is. I didn't expect them to get out of round one. Like he said, they were mm. what, losing to Vermont. Yes. I'm giving him the out where there's still something permanent attached, but it's not a tattoo. I, okay. I would do it personally. I, I like that line of thinking and i like that we're like making it a like a, a hard line still you know like we're not we're, this is not like a a friendly like hey don't worry about it. like we're still making him have to do something that is embarrassing and also um you know funny and entertaining to us at the same time so i like that uh little catcher there i actually wouldn't give him anything i would say you you made, made your bed you it, it. right yeah <laughs> muscle muscle man <laughs> I think oh, you might be helping out with all the lyrics if uh, if Ian goes for this. I I don't know. I I think I kind of want to write it now if he does. <laughs> and there's like the, the ideas are starting to flow. All right, let's 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 dive into best bets. I, I want to give Pete's um you know pour one out for Pete's gremlin inside his computer that doesn't allow him to stream. Uh, he likes the Wizards today minus three and a half against the Rockets. Um, Houston in these situations as a home dog have been atrocious. Uh, they're 11 and 20 ATS is a home dog. They're also two, eight and one against the spread on a back to back. And Washington is crazy as it sounds still is within play and distance. So uh, the play makes a lot of sense in minus three and a half. Uh, what about for you as far as the NBA goes tonight? Yeah. Um, the heat are one point road. Fa- they open one and a half. Sorry. Um, they open as home or road underdogs against the Sixers, but the Sixers are like weirdly, played a Sunday night game. Typically you see these East Coast teams play during the afternoon, especially later in the season. So mm-hmm. Sixers played last night. They lost a physical game to the uh, Raptors. And now they get the heat, which plays very similar to the Raptors. And, you know, you've heard me speak about it with the James Harden Sixers. Obviously this is a trigger point for me, but everyone was very quick to crown the Sixers team as like the new, you know, I, I heard them compared to Shaq and Kobe after three games, two of which were against the Knicks, sorry, Pete, and the Timberwolves, two terrible defenses. Now you've seen them play in high-level games against elite opponents and actually struggle quite a bit. Harden 
I think he's shooting below 35% in his last seven games. Um, we're starting to see a lot of habits that looked like it was in Brooklyn. We've seen them struggling against elite competition now for a little bit. I know the record's still there, but I don't buy it. I think that you're going to see kind of a flat spot. I, I don't buy this Sixers team when the, you know, when the going gets tough, when like yeah. in a bad spot, I don't really see a lot of punchback from this team. And we saw him against the Nets just get absolutely rolled in kind of their real big spot so far. So I think the Heat are going to come in here. I think they're trying to wrap the one seed, the Heat. Um, I think they put the Sixers down. So um, under two points, I think that they're rightful road favorites. And you could also see like Embiid end up getting the night off, which I like, could send this number way, way up, you know, on a back-to-back. Um, so, yeah, uh, Heat minus one and a half makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I think that's a really, really good point, especially about Embiid. If you jump on that early, like this line could move perhaps. Yeah, to Harden said he's playing. I didn't see anything about Embiid, though. But he was like a game-time decision yesterday with a I, back I, injury. So. I, I, I think, no, I, I think that's a really insightful play. Yeah. And, uh, yeah that's how we do in the morning. That's right. Even even if like you, you try and find sort of an opportunity for an edge whenever you can, and I like Miami regardless of whether Embiid plays or not. So yeah, I'll I'll be on that play as well. Um, late game of the day, uh, actually not even that late. Minnesota at Dallas. Like we have to give the Timberwolves some a lot of credit from yes. how they've played in the second half. Like they've been remarkable. Towns has been incredible. Uh, every single aspect of their offense is as locked in as possible. But I, I think this matchup against Dallas on the road. Uh, does not really suit them well. And the Mavericks, they haven't looked good in their last few games, but a lot of that has been on this grueling road trip. Uh, I, they're going to slow down Minnesota. Like I, I, It's sort of how we've talked about some of these NCAA matchups where a lot of these defensive-oriented teams, if you get that offense that's normally humming and clicking, back to your style of pace, and Dallas is one of the slowest teams in the NBA – I think they're going to frustrate the Timberwolves. And I think especially once it gets a little bit more physical, that's not how Minnesota likes to play. Um, but Dallas is still 11-4 and four in their last 15 games. Um, I, I don't think the last two games are a reflection of just how good they've been collectively. And I think they'll be very happy um, to, to be home. That, that game against the Charlotte on Saturday um, did not go well for them. I, I think they're going to have a, a nice opportunity for a reset here. So, yeah, I, I think Dallas minus three uh, is really the play that I like here against Minnesota. Timberwolves have been outstanding. But, uh, again, I, I think from a matchup perspective, uh, Dallas is going to do a lot, especially at home, to, to really frustrate them. So give me Dallas minus three in tonight's game against yeah. Minnesota. Um, no, I, it's oh, a go good, no, good, good selling point uh, on Minnesota. Just, uh, you know, they've kind of peaked, I feel like, in like this like little short term and like Dallas, they've been elite defensively. Dimwitty, I think, should be back for this one. I know he didn't play over the weekend, but yeah, so Dimwitty's been a big addition. Um, so yeah, I, I like to play. I think you're getting Dallas at a little too short of a number. All right. So there you go, guys. Ben Heisler, Reed Wallach. Uh, shout out to Peter Dewey <laughs> as well for for jumping on a little bit earlier on. We'll get him back. Uh, next Monday. Also coming up this week on best Bet, on bet sided best bets. If you are filling out a second chance bracket, we are going to go through ours collectively. The catch is we all have to decide on it together. So who is going to make the best points? Who is going to take Houston? Who's going to take Arizona? The better argument will win as we fill out our second chance bracket together. Make sure you guys join us. It'll be Tuesday 
at 4 p.m. Eastern over on YouTube and right here where you're watching and live streaming it as well. So, Fareed, I'm Ben. We always appreciate you guys hanging out with us on Bet and Breakfast. May all of your bets hit tonight. We'll talk to you guys again on Tuesday. So long. 